Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransinc.com for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. This podcast is also brought to you by AgDirect. No matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Markets with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. If you ever get lost in the dark and feel like you need to roam the countryside aimlessly in the dark, you don't have to do that anymore because you can go to Axon Tire and go to marketing at axontire.com and they will send you this right here. This right here, folks, is a free flashlight, courtesy of the folks of Axon Tire. If you want one of those, send an email to marketingaxontire.com, and you'll be blinded by the light. I huh? like that, Sean. That's pretty good. <laughs> wow. You know what? <laughs> this show keeps getting better and better and better. <laughs> uh, so if you want one of those, send an email to marketingaxontire.com, and you'll uh, get one in the mail. Just send them your details and tell them the Moving Iron Podcast sent you. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. So for more information, go to agdirect.com. As normal, I've got uh, Sean Hackett here from Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida with me, and we are going to talk a little bit about what's going on in the marketplace. So, Sean, how are you doing this morning, man? I'm doing good, Casey. Another, another day of, uh, of uh, announcements, events, and uh, volatility. Yep, not so. much to talk about again, so no. I don't know what we're going to do. So, all the news that I have that I read here in the morning, um, it's pretty... Uh, Pretty front loaded with wheat, but we also had a an explosion uh, on an LPG um, compression line for exporting uh, natural gas out of the country. And right before you were talking, like you were talking, uh, it was nine and a half, and it dropped down to eight. So talk about that a little bit as we kick it off here today. It was the Freeport terminal, so it's the largest export terminal of LNG uh, to Europe and Asia, and um, it had some explosion for whatever reason. And uh, so that uh, terminal will be shut down for the next three weeks while they repair. And that means 25% of the exports which come out of that terminal will be halted, which means all the natural gas that would have gone to be compressed to be exported now stays in the country. And it adds some extra uh, injection potential 
for the next three weeks, meaning we could add more natural gas into storage before that um, terminal comes back up and running. So it's not like this is a major game changer, but at a time when, we, when we're really, really worried about how much natural gas we're going to have at the beginning of the next winter season, anything we can do to get a little extra uh, supply into the storage uh, facilities, you know, the, the market's going to react uh, uh, pretty violently to that, you know, when you're dealing with $9 natural gas, we haven't right. been there in quite some time. And so um, I think this is going to be a feature, especially as we move into the hurricane season, kind of what happened, because everyone remembers what happened last year. We had the uh, hurricane come in, it, it messed up all the rigs and all. And so I think you're going to have a lot of volatility on weather um, in both directions. You know, does it shut down the export terminals or does it shut down the production or does it do both? You know, so, right. so this is a sign of a lot more volatility and the one-way trade, which natural gas has been now for a while, is probably over. And you're now dealing with a, a trader's market for a while in, in, in extremely volatile conditions. So I, my point is just be careful in this market right now. It's, it's, it's not going to be uh, an easy endeavor until we get through the hurricane season to handle this kind of volatility literally in seconds to drop like that is pretty amazing. So yeah, that's a, that's a pretty big swing and just a, a turn of the head. Boom. Yeah. yeah. Got, Boom. You know, all right. All right. So we got, you know, we've kind of beat wheat to death, but I mean, it, it is the big, the big unknown right now until we get through uh, winter wheat um, harvest and what that looks like in both the U S Europe and, um, Russia and Ukraine is what that looks like there. I mean, so the uh, my news little blurb that comes out to me every morning here about ag-related markets and stuff like that um, is uh, just riddled with with stuff talking about um, wheat. So there's been no agreement yet to talk about that. We are on Tuesday. We talked about uh, uh, Russia is going to let start letting is, is thinking about letting uh, some Ukrainian. Um, exports out of, of what remaining ports are open they're gonna guarantee secure passage and all this kind of thing which i don't know how they can do all that but that's what they're gonna do um you got that you've got um a firm uh, out in uh the european union um has cut the uh wheat export forecast for for europe and um even france which is one of the larger um wheat producing countries in europe um they're, they're cutting their outlook as well. Um, and then you look at Argentine wheat and what that's going on there. Um, it's going to be down from what the previous assessment was too. So just, you, you know, it's like the wheat supply issue just can't catch a break here, Sean, I guess. So what, what's your thoughts there? Well, it's grown in so many different parts of the world that if you want to find good weather, you can find it. If you want to find bad weather, you could find it. Right. Um, so, you know, right now we're obviously growing, the summer winter or the uh, summer wheat crop in in Europe, um, obviously spring wheat here, and um, overall, uh, the weather has improved for Europe. They've gotten some rains, not everywhere, but especially France, which had been really a hot spot for some missing out a lot of rains. They've, they've gotten some beneficial rains that are that's going to kick the can down the road just a little bit. But the bigger issue is how much can Ukraine Russia sell you know we, we we all indications are that russia is going to have a record wheat crop harvest um they had these talks in turkey on wednesday as you said you know 
in theory, everyone says that looks good, but we don't have an ironclad agreement. How much wheat is going to be able to get out of that region um, over the summer months? I don't know, but I, I think with the price as high as it is um, and with as many supplies as there happens to be over there, you know, there should be enough supply coming out of there to at least keep this market in check. Um, which I think we talked about this the other day. And then once, um, and then once we get that low lying fruit out of the way and that overhang of supply is moved out and you know, we could enter a pretty interesting period where those that still have supply say, you know, I'm not selling anymore or I can't sell anymore. Um, and then of course, you know, the world doesn't stop needing wheat. They need it all the time. Right. And so I kind of feel like we're in a pause period into July and then things could get pretty exciting again in late summer in the fall. And so I'd be looking, if I was a buyer, you know, if I'm a cash buyer of wheat, if I'm an end user, I'd be kind of looking for buying opportunities here in July, you know, late June into July, uh, maybe some of this corrective pressure we're going to get from typical harvest pressure. I think there might be an opportunity for those that need to buy physical product here to protect themselves against what could be a, a supply squeeze situation over the, uh, you know, over the fall months, unless, unless there's some real dramatic, dramatic change in what's going on with the, uh, the Russian-Ukraine situation, um, that seems to me like what's likely to happen here. So Right on. Okay. China has uh, really come to the table here, and uh, in May they're up almost 30% um, over the previous month in uh, soybean imports. And as you're looking at what's going on there, Sean, what are your thoughts on that? You know, China's a black box. We never really know how much they actually have. We never actually know how much they actually need. They tell us all kinds of things. We know none of it's true, um, but all we could do is, you know, what are they doing? And, you know, they're buying a lot of soybeans like they always do. Right. Um, looking at the price for Chinese hogs, they've been rising pretty substantially here in the last 45 days, which says to me that the herd liquidation from the second round of ASF earlier in the year um, is behind them. So they need to get back into a herd rebuilding cycle um, you need, they need to bring the piglets in. They start needing, you know, they're going to need more feed, bean meal feed to feed those piglets. Um, and that would require them to start picking up the pace on soybean purchases to crush into bean meal. So I'm kind of feeling, you know, that the demand from China for soybeans is going to continue to be good. Now, if we have a huge crop, like I think we're going to have, you know, that certainly could put pressure on prices, uh, even if they're strong demand. But until we get further along in the growing season. I think China's going to take the take the idea, you know, you know, let's make sure we secure enough supply just in case, you know, the U.S. has a bad crop. If they have a good crop, we can back away. We can leave more hand to mouth. We can, you know, we can try to buy cheaper. But I don't think they want to go in to late July, August, and find out we have a hot, dry weather pattern. We're going to have a short crop, and they didn't buy enough. I think they just want to be safe. It'll be safer than sorry right now. Right on. So. Okay. All right. Set up the uh, protein markets right now. So cattle prices have firmed up um, uh, uh, this week. You know, they kind of had a rough week the week the previous week, but they firmed up this week. And then you look at what's going on in hogs, and they're, they've kind of gotten blasted here this week. So I guess what's your thoughts on, on the protein markets right now? Well, we've had a dramatic, dramatic bullish reversal in cattle and feeder cattle and live cattle. I mean, feeder cattle at the low on Monday, we're 162 and change, and we're at 176, 
yeah. you know, I mean, that's quite a short-term move. Now, of course, it got crushed prior to that, but I'm just saying that we've had, we've been, we've had a major, major bottom, we think, Casey. And we've kind of talked about how we'd eventually get to the end of this. You know, unless we're going to liquidate the entire U.S. cattle herd, which, you, which I don't see happening, at some point you get to the point where you're just not going to, you're not going to liquidate anymore. And I think we're at that point where we've liquidated everything we can without doing long-term uh, you know, detrimental harm to the overall U.S. cattle business. And so I think that this big uh, reversal uh, off of important lows here and, and support uh, is an indication that we're now on, on, on the herd, re, you know, the herd liquidation cycle has ended and we're moving into this next phase, which is, you know, herd rebuilding at some point. And so I think this big reversal is, is, is a sign of more to come. And our forecast has been, Casey, as you know, as we get into the latter part of this year, especially into the first half of 23, we think the 2014 highs, you know, can be tested and possibly even exceeded before it's all said and done. So if I'm a, if I'm a cattleman, you know, obviously you always have to sell and you got to be, you know, mindful. And it doesn't mean you don't sell this nice snapback rally we've had on near-term needs. But I would definitely be on the lighter side of making sales if I'm in the cattle business right now. I think you have an, are going to have an opportunity to really, really um, get some good prices going forward and really be able to put some serious equity into a, a business that has not been doing very well for quite a few years. And so I think, you know, there's some optimism there uh, that we might finally be turning the corner here. And it's time for the cattlemen to make some money. Right so. on. That's good news. All right, Sean. Lastly, here let's let's hit up energy markets for just a little bit. What we see happening there. So, price of diesel fuel keeps climbing. Price of you know gas at the pump keeps uh, climbing up. Um, Brent crude uh, right now is trading about a hundred and a little over one hundred and twenty-three. Well, almost one hundred twenty-four. And uh, West Texas is right around one twenty-two. So, um, it's been banging around that that one twenty to one twenty-five range here for the past oh, couple two or three weeks almost now. I guess as you take a look, at what's going on there, Sean? And there's really there's no relief in sight. So I guess what what's your thoughts on on the the price of oil right now? Well, remember we typically pump prices up sure. ahead of the driving season, right? And, and then and then we we tend to price it all in, and then we work our way down as the driving season, you know, matures. So, so this would be a time that we would expect to see some kind of a seasonal peak in diesel and, and, um, and gasoline prices. Obviously they're much, much higher this year for all the reasons that we know, but um, you know, and obviously hurricanes can come in and create some issues, but overall, I, I think we're probably pricing most of it in here now mm-hmm. on terms of the maximum of how much we're going to consume, how much we're going to, you know, just, just the typical, summertime Summer demand uh, yep. yeah so so i would think we're probably near a top in the distillates um it doesn't mean it's we're going back to you know prices we want but i think we're going to see some prices easing back you know as we get into uh the latter part of the summer as part of a normal seasonal pattern i think we probably are near or, or possibly even at uh a high watermark here for quite some time in yep. diesel and uh and gasoline right so on. so how's that's not going to play into all this with what we see happening there we're kind of maxed out production wise. I mean, we only have so many plants that can all, you know, every year they do a little bit better job and make it a little more than they did the year before out of the same corn, but you know, we're kind of maxed out production. So I don't really see the corn's been bought a long ago. Uh, the prices are good. Uh, yeah. They probably will come down here later in the summer and the margins will shrink. But if, if the, if the 
ethanol guys have done what they're supposed to do. They should already have the price locked in. They should have the corn locked in. And all they got to do is just run the plant correctly. Right. I don't really see an issue for ethanol uh, until, um, you know, we, they work off this margin they've set for themselves. And that won't really come into play until the fall. So Gotcha. One thing we hit on from time to time, and I keep watching it because one of these days I'm going to build a, a garage next to my house here, but not anytime soon, um, price of lumber. Price of lumber has really, I mean, oddly enough, has come down significantly from, we're talking from, you know, $1,500 a linear foot to all the way down to, you know, here we are right around, what, what's it today? What's it, almost $600 a linear foot. So, I mean, 100 linear foot. So, you're looking at that, I mean, that's a, that's almost been cut in third from what it was, and it continues yeah, to go there. I, I, and this was one of the first big bull markets that took off that led right. into this big move up in prices. And it's different this time and a new normal, higher plateau, all that stuff that you always hear when prices take off. As you know, Casey, we've talked about, we feel that $1,600 level was a bubble top that we may not see again for a decade. Yeah. I mean, that was one of those crazy things. And then we had the echo bubble where that's that secondary rally that says, oh, the bull is still alive. And of course it comes up short where you top out, you know, you don't get all the way back up. I think we got to like 1300 before we rolled over. Um, and of course this is supposedly during a time where there's no end in sight to the housing increase, right. uh, price increases and all. And yet we've seen a market collapse, what 60 or 70% from the highs. Just be, it just goes to show you, you know, that given the right price level, even in this current environment, if you, if you, ha if you're high enough for long enough, eventually supply will come in. And the demand will back away. And I think that's a lesson to be learned uh, that uh, as, as bullish as many markets are, and it's impossible to see any immediate alleviation of the supply shortages, uh, they can come faster than you think. Yeah. And lumber is a great example of if it led on the way up, it's probably leading on the way down. And so that would be a warning sign that, that other markets are going to start to show, you know, some similar... Um, you know, some similar declines, uh, and, and that's overall going to start taking that inflation rate that the that everyone's really concerned about. And it doesn't mean it goes away, but at least the, you know, 10% plus inflation, you know, maybe drops down to, to 3 to 5%, which, you know, all things considered is a much better rate of growth than 10 or 15%. I think that's going to be the story later in the year is that we're going to see these inflation numbers start to throttle down and take some of the pressure off of the disposable income drawdowns that many are starting to feel now yep. so okay all right one more thing and i'll let you get back to your to your sunny south florida summer day here cotton is one of those things we talk about a lot as being a, a leading indicator going into what what the economy is doing right now right right now cotton prices at uh it's a dollar forty-one right now. It's up just a little bit on the day. Uh, you look at a chart, and it's uh, you know we had a high back in to begin in May somewhere in like that one fifty-three range, one fifty-eight range, something like that. And then you've seen where it's at now, down in that one um, one forty to one thirty-seven to one forty range. As you look at that, Sean, um, I mean supply and all those things have to start to play into that. We're going to go in. We're planting cotton now, and we're going into harvest here in about you know three or four months i guess what, what are your thoughts on on the cotton market and, and do you do you still see that direct um reflection of, of what we see happen in the marketplace as far as how it reflects to the economy the cotton's been a little bit of a strange story because 
China has been such a big buyer, but they haven't been a big buyer because end user demand's been so strong. They've been a big buyer because the EU and the US have decided that they don't want to buy child labor cotton from them, you know, where they take five year olds and 10 year olds and force them to work in these crazy conditions. And, you know, we've decided that we're not going to buy cotton that's grown in that manner from them. So it's forced them to buy cotton from us in order to make cotton products out of cotton that's not labor, uh, you know, labor driven, uh, child labor driven. Um, And that's kept a strong bid in our market, despite the fact that we have slowing end user demand. So the question becomes, at what point have they bought enough of that cotton that they that they start to pull back? I think they're at the I think they're at the point now. If you look at the price of cotton in China, there had been a huge premium. Uh, you know, they were trading at like a dollar fifty when we were trading at 60, 70 cents. And if you look at now where we are, the US is now at a higher price than the Chinese cotton price. That tells me they have bought what they need from us in order to satisfy this non-child labor grown cotton kind of a situation. And with the prices as high as they are and end user demand weakening um, and some very, very, very timely rains we've gotten here in West Texas and it looks like some more on the way. Um, it sure looks to me like, you know, we could be looking at uh, a considerable knockdown in prices later this year. Be mindful until the hurricane season's over, the market's always going to be looking over their shoulder to see if one of these hurricanes comes in and creates havoc in Texas or the deep South, but absent, you know, a crazy hurricane situation. You know, I do think we're, 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 we've probably put a top in here in cotton. Um, and we're probably going to start working our way down as end user demand starts to be throttled down. And we, those ending stocks start to be uh, to, to, to grow and look less daunting as they have been now. And especially if China starts pulling back on their imports of U S cotton, That'll really be a sign that we're entering a different phase for the U.S. cotton market. So. Right on. Okay. Well, good stuff as usual, Sean. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what it is you got going on over at Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. We have podcasts, sample reports, white papers to let everyone know what we do and how we do it and why we do it to see if it can be of some value. Right on. I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to uh, Moving Iron Podcast on LinkedIn and the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel to check out everything we have going on here as far as episodes go. Go to movingironllc.com for the latest blog posts and all the information for the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 6th, 7th, and 8th. If you're a dealer of any kind and you want to come and, and attend that, Shoot me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com for more information or all the information is right there on the website that you uh, could ever possibly want. So, Sean, appreciate you being on the podcast. Thanks, Casey, as always. Yeah. Oh, one last thing. My friend Alex Shachenko is going over to Ukraine to go uh, uh, spread humanitarian aid to from Poland uh, to Ukraine uh, where he can, and he's got some, some stuff hooked up there. He bought himself a... Uh, a cargo van in Poland, and he is uh, driving his uh, his family back to Kiev of all places to to uh, to go back in and, and take care of uh, what he can. So um, Alex's uh, story is in episodes uh, 162, 163, and 164. I'll be back there, and uh, you can check that out. 
and, and listen to that. So if you want to help Alex out, go to his GoFundMe page. Just look up uh, Help Alex Transport Humanitarian Aid from Poland to Ukraine and uh, donate what you can there. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett. Let's go move some iron folks. Out. Axon Tire is going to have more tips, tricks, and client advice throughout the year and in September at the Moving Iron Summit in Nashville. If you're looking to sign up for the event, please head over to movingironllc.com. We hope to see you there. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransitinc.com for all of your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving higher